become a bit of a stock phrase of late to say that it takes a whole village to raise a child. And certainly the more helping hands there are, the easier the burden. Not, of course, that I'm suggesting our teenagers could ever be a burden. I mean, as if I would. But it can be hard enough to manage a teen through revision and studying if you were part of a notional nuclear family. So just how do families manage in the real world? Hello and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, the founder of The Study Buddy and your host. In this, our third season of the podcast, we're chatting with parents, students and teachers to hear how things are going. Specifically, we're interested in the highs and lows, the trials and tribulations in the run-up to exams in 2022. We'll be covering everything from trouble getting going to burning the candle at both ends, from overzealous and anxious to underperforming yet nonchalant. Through these shared real-world experiences, I hope that you'll take comfort that you're not alone. Perhaps, more importantly, I hope that you'll also take away some insights and advice that can help you to support your own team, so that they'll not just survive the exams, but thrive in the preparation. So, if you're a parent, a carer or a teacher, be sure to subscribe. This week, I'm chatting with Darren. Darren is dad to two teens, a girl who completed her GCSEs last year and now at sixth form, and a boy working towards his GCSEs in 2022. Darren and his ex-wife share childcare. Darren, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast, thank you. But to kick us off, I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about what family life's like with you. Nice to be here, Nathan. Thank you for inviting me. So, I mean, we have in total four children at home, two mine from my first marriage and two from the other half. But my two, let's say my daughter's literally just gone through GCSEs last year. She obviously didn't have to sit exams, which she was quite happy about. But uh, yeah, my son this year obviously is coming up to his big exams and we're fully expecting he'll be doing that this year. And obviously they're only with me half the week. So half the week they're with their mum a short distance away and they go to a different schools now as well. Because obviously my son's still in normal school, senior school, and my daughter goes to uh, sixth form college. So she's studying her A-levels now. So how do you find that? Because I mean, it's tricky enough, as I said in the intro, sort of if, if you see them the whole time, because then you sort of get a sense, I think, of what they're doing or what they're not doing. How do you find it with your son and daughter being away for half of the week too? I think it's quite difficult sometimes to fully understand exactly how much study they're actually doing. You're very much relying on whatever feed you can get from the other house to let you know what they have and haven't done. But you have to see them when they're with you. But there's always a balance to be struck, right? Because you don't want to be the house that you nag and make them study where the other house they don't have to study so much, right? You don't, you're trying to strike that balance of, do they want to actually come and see me? But do I don't, don't want to be the house where I make them work hard and too hard and, and study too much. So yeah, it's kind of striking a balance, but understanding exactly what they're doing and how much they're doing, it's sometimes quite difficult. Yeah, because presumably you don't want to, what did you say? You don't want to take your foot off the gas, so to speak, and to become the house that they sort of want to come to, fun house, if actually you can see that that might have a detriment further down the line. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we obviously want to make sure we're pushing them to you know get the good grades that they deserve. You know, they're, they're both smart kids, but we just want to make sure they're you know, really pushed to, to deliver where they're capable of. And sometimes getting the consistent structure between the two houses is quite difficult right, to have them studying at the same level in both houses when they're also moving backward and forward and having the same, you know, having that transition twice a week is, is quite difficult, right, for them as well, I think, because they're you know, changing settings. I mean, they're, they're quite used to it now, but at the same time, you do have two settings to study in. 
you know so that's how do you get that consistency so you know any sort of tools that you can have that help you transition that same level of study and program between the houses actually quite beneficial so with your eldest doing GCSEs last year I'm right in saying that your partner's eldest was also going through GCSEs how was that dynamic do they work well as study partners did they feed off each other in that way the two girls I say they both went through GCSEs last year they're quite different characters one is definitely I would say more of a workaholic so she's definitely very much into her studies and, and very dedicated and works very very hard my daughter not so much but she does put what she needs to do she'll cover the basics and do what she needs to do and if she has homework to be done if she has studying to be done she will do it but it's a little bit under protest let's put it that way so they are slightly different they do support each other I think more more my partner's daughter supporting my daughter the other way around but they do support each other and you know help each other through where there's uh, gaps in knowledge or whatever so they do kind of back each other up a bit because it can be tricky can't it you've gone from an environment as you say you've got one working setup at home at her mum's house where it's quite different to with yours and then you've got someone else who's going through the same the same sort of stages as well and doing the same work I guess do compare yourself with how the other one's working from both sides I think so the thing is when you have a, a child who lives with you all the time which my partner's daughter does then you can really see what they're doing you can see their study schedule looks like you can actually understand the actual time and effort they're putting in whereas when someone's not there half the week it's much harder to see you know you can only see 50 percent of what they're doing right so you don't know if they're you know they can tell you they're doing it but as a teenager they're going to tell you they've done it right they're not going to say i didn't do anything yeah you kind of have to guess a little bit to be honest but last year was an anomaly in any case wasn't it because of loads of remote learning lots of sort of disruption obviously as we went through the year with covid and and sort of compounded i guess by having the two situations so with your son who doesn't have the same I'm not going to go with excuses because my daughter's going through the same year as well but sort of doesn't have that I guess backdrop of all of the disruptions so far this year practically how do you go about trying to gauge what level they're at to see what additional support they might need well the biggest concern for me I think is his lack of practice at exam conditions right now his school are actually fortunately doing that so that he's doing mock exams right now mock mocks if you like so he's doing mock exams now then he's got mock exams after christmas and then he's got his really exams in may june time right so he's his school are actually kind of putting some stuff in place for him to do that he's actually going through that right now and what i've seen is it's not so much that he can't do the exams it's that he's not entirely sure how to study he doesn't really understand how to revise he doesn't he's kind of trying to do past papers and trying to read things but he doesn't really have a, a structure to his study now for this set I'm kind of letting him get on with it and seeing how he gets on and then if it doesn't quite work out then the idea would be that we want to get him some more structure and help and maybe organize him a bit better after Christmas so he can actually have a, a bit more structure to his study if it's not working for him what he's doing right now. That makes perfect sense isn't it that they need to find their own way of making mistakes as well as anything else I and mean, we talk an awful lot that resilience comes from knowing that when you've fallen over you can get yourself up and you can you can keep going so as you say if actually you would say to him look you're just not doing this right let me show you the way how's he ever going to really learn for himself when it comes down the line later well absolutely i mean i think you know he's got to have a go at it himself first right and and it may be that he comes back with spectacular results and it's all worked for him which is great you know but at the same time if it doesn't come back as has as and i'm sure he'll get good results he's not you know he's a smart kid and he does well at school but he may not get as well as he could have done right and then sometimes you think to yourself that's great you've got a six or a seven whatever it was you know maybe five or six or a seven but could you have got 
one or two grades higher than that right maybe he's not going to get a nine obviously but could he get a if he's got a five could he have got a six or a seven you know and then it's that next time is how do you make him help him make that next step to just to move up a grade or two right and so does he have an ambition for himself does he have sort of a a target in mind that he wants to get to or is he the kind of student that's just sort of quite well let's say fair about the whole thing whatever happens happens i'm not that far i think he wants to get good grades let's put it that way he wants to be successful with his gcses and get a good set I think he would be disappointed if he got below sixes in his exams. Let's put it that way, right? He's more than capable of getting sixes, sevens, maybe even eights, right? That's where he kind of sets his targets, I think. Because it can be much more difficult, kind of, if they're not, they don't sort of have this goal in mind that actually going into the exam, not having done an awful lot of revision, whatever you get, you come out with, you go, um, if I didn't really try, I didn't really fail. So that's, that's fine. I'm sort of anaesthetized to the whole outcome. Whereas having something where you think, well, let, let's let's see if we can find ways to help you reach the targets that you've sort of set for yourself becomes a much more constructive and positive conversation to have. Well, it is because I think they'll be asking you then, well, how can I do better? You know, I did my best last time and it wasn't quite where I wanted to be. So how can I take the next step? How can you help me? How can we work together to make it, you know, better next time? And that's yeah, definitely a, an easier conversation and a more constructive conversation, a positive conversation, rather than saying, oh, you've done really badly, you didn't do very much. Well, what, you know, what are you going to do next time? It's more of a constructive conversation. For those it made more difficult, if the grades that he were to get, and I'm touching wood for the benefit of the tape, the grades that he got out were sort of substantially lower than he had expected. That can also have sort of the opposite effect, kind of. It's not a motivating factor then. It's It can become quite destructive. I'm, sort of, I'm no good at this. So I don't even know why I bother. I guess so, yeah. But at that point, that's where we really need to sort of think about how can we give him more confidence to get back on the horse, if you like, and back on the bike and ride again and give him help to structure the study, to give him better ways of revising, to understand the curriculum that he's got to cover, the topics he's got to cover, get him the tools to know how to revise. A lot of children, because they've not done this for like 24 months now, they don't know how to revise. He hasn't sat an exam since like year nine, right? So he doesn't know necessarily, he hasn't gained those skills of how to revise, how to go back over work, how to use the internet or the textbooks to glean the extra knowledge around the subject that gives you those extra grades that's not rather than just the verbatim stuff the teachers put out, right? How much of that is a conversation that you would have with his mum? Is it something I suppose that you sort of try to agree between you, how you work these things out? Yeah, we do have that. We do have conversations around that, where how the children are progressing, where we feel, but it's difficult to have conversations around to put my ideas into what they should be doing at their house, right? I don't have the right to say to them, you should be making him study this how many hours a day or whatever. You should be doing this. I don't have that right as, as I don't live in that house. I'm not part of that family. So I can't make those kind of demands, but we can have the conversation about where I feel he is and where we feel he should be. And, you know, hope that that kind of gets across. I think that's probably the the best way I can describe it. Because the converse is also true. It's not their role to tell you that he's working too hard or too little either, as you say, sort of this mutual agreement in what's in your son's best interest. So presumably then the linchpin in all of that quite obviously becomes your son, sort of getting him into that mindset where he understands and can be much more proactive in what it is that he needs to do, perhaps more so than a child in, said from the beginning, sort of this notional nuclear family where everyone concerned is under the one roof i think so i think it's it's easier when everyone's there and you're with your child all the time in that nuclear family to to have that much stronger input into what they're doing and how they're working and have that 
better understanding of what they're doing or what they're capable of when they're moving in they're only there half the time in one setting maybe even less i think then you have to rely on the child to drive their learning and drive their ambition and drive their you know study much more because they have to take that between the houses themselves right i mean guy can't pass what we talk about on what we you know the expectations if you like we set for them at our house doesn't always translate to the other house right because i can't it's not a it's not the right to be able to do that i think that's especially tough that you're asking your son to to do that because as i say i mean in, there's so much else going on that revision and exams seem like a while away or an eternity i guess for some teens despite the fact that obviously we'd advocate little and often um, rather than waiting till the end so you've got all of these additional pressures that are sort of coming on them and is there anything do you think that the school should be providing or that should be coming from somewhere else that can help these teens to sort of find out that path and find out what it is that they need to be doing to strive for their own ambitions yeah i, mean, I think so i mean that's one of the one of the things that he has at the moment also is it's not just the pressure of doing his gcses which do seem quite a long way off actually they're pretty close right i mean we're in november now he's doing mocks he's gonna have mocks again in january and then he's got what four months and he's got his, his finals here yeah, four or five months he's got finals but then he's also got to make a decision on what he's going to do next year you know there's also that pressure on him he was saying what do you want to do he said oh, i don't know i don't know what i want to do right you know so there's a lot of pressure on him now to not only succeed in his gcses but also think about what he's doing next year and and the more structure that you can get them I mean, the school are doing i think a good thing by the fact that they're actually set these extra mocks this term I think it's a good thing because it's giving them early practice on exams rather than waiting till January. And they are doing study sessions in school at the moment during the mocks. But then you have to concern, do they have they covered all the curriculum? There's still stuff to teach and learn before they get to the end. You know, because they've lost so much time, have they been able to cover the curriculum that they need to cover? I know they're going to try and make some allowances in the exams at the end. You know, there'll be some probably some reduction, hopefully, to help them out a bit. But they still probably have stuff they have to cover right so there's still going to be teaching to be done and learning to be done before you even get to your next mocks so we've we have discussed possibly with my other half we discussed a while back like ex, about extra tutorage outside of lessons but both of the children went no we don't want that because <laughs> extra school so um so yeah but I, I mean i think certainly um you know something like a, some kind of study system actually to really structure their revision and their what knowing what they have to cover to get to the you know exam and make sure that they've covered all of the different topics that are relevant and are required for that that exam is actually a really useful tool i think going back to the mocks and the the mock mocks as you said that the school are doing as you can see i completely agree and certainly with emily you see that that she's just not used to how she's going to work under pressure and that's that's everything about the exams isn't it it's the run-up to it how do i deal with sort of the the revision workload what how do i perform on the day what about my the nerves the night before all of these kinds of things that you only you only sort of learn about yourself through practice they've not had so you can see that a mock and a mock mock and well in advance of the real thing is really great for that but at the same time you do wonder whether or not they're applying a lot more pressure to the circumstances and, and you talked about pressure before no i definitely think it's um, the pressure is definitely heaped on the year 11s this year i really do see that i mean last year in the build-up towards Christmas, the pressure was still on the Year 11s last year. So my daughter, both you know, stepdaughter and daughter, they were both in that bucket of having mocks coming up. And but then it got to January. Obviously, went to full lockdown and everything was cancelled, and that was it. Same for my son; didn't have his 
obviously is end of year exams last year as well so you know this really is the first time in 18 months two years that they've really sat exams uh, and he hasn't had that practice of revising for them he hasn't had that yeah that just experience of sitting in a hall on a single table surrounded by a bunch of people with a clock on the wall in silence for an hour and a half hour and three quarters whatever it is right i mean you get to the final some of them are like two three hour exams some of them right they're pretty big so he hasn't had that experience so this is quite good that he's getting it but you also need to have is he prepared for it in terms of not just his knowledge but also his attitude and approach to it right so there's a whole lot to discuss you know, think about rather than it's not just the academic side there was a very vivid picture there with the the hall and the, I actually had a shudder. The, the hairs on the back of my neck went all the way up, <laughs> as I remembered. Yeah, in the sports hall with the gym things on the side, the teacher walking up and down the rows. You may turn your papers over now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How does that sort of pressure manifest itself with your son? Or does it? I mean, we, we know that it's there and teen boys in particular, stereotypically, but are notoriously blasé about broadly everything other than FIFA scores. So is this, when with these mock mocks that your son's going through, is it something that you could see? Was it starting to tell on him? I mean, to be honest, he actually seems quite relaxed about the whole thing. Personally, I'm not entirely sure he's doing enough studying, but he seems to be thinking it's, he's got enough. He seems to be thinking the exams are going okay. So I'm giving him that leeway. I'm giving it, okay, that's fine. He seems fairly for one of a word chilled about the whole thing so at the moment yeah blase is probably quite a good word and may maybe it'll come home to roost when he gets the results back or maybe it won't but we shall see we shall see it's tricky isn't it because you want them to have that sort of perfect well-being bit and, and actually not being het up not feeling the pressure but i mean looking back to when my eldest jake was going through his actually I've, hand on heart, I, I wanted him to not do well. <laughs> I wanted him to sort of demonstrate to himself, look, if you don't put the work in, you don't get the work out. And, and actually feeling that pressure, feeling is okay because actually what it's doing is it's telling you how important it is to yourself and you need to learn how to deal with that and, and sort of alchemistically, I don't even know if that's a word, turn it into something much more positive like revision. Yeah, kind of get echo that feeling of, you know, secretly part of you a small part of you thinks i kind of think if he did fall flat on his face it might help him because it would kick him up the bum enough to actually think he actually needs to study next time right to properly study and put hours and hours and but then you can go to the other extreme where i think you can study too much and you literally end up spending a whole weekend studying for one test on a monday right which is just the other extreme so i think there's a fight there's a balance to be had but because they haven't had the practice, you know, this year, I think it's hard for them to know where the balance is, right? I mean, he's probably doing two or three hours an evening. Is that enough? Is it not? I don't know. You know, it depends on how it comes out. But then he had the whole of half term and pretty much didn't do anything. So, you know, <laughs> swings and roundabouts. And it's also how they spend their time. So having, I mean, two to three hours to me sounds like quite a lot. I think there are, there are some that do more. There are definitely, and I think considerably more that do less how he uses that time and, and sort of the efficiency and the effectiveness of his study practices during that time. And is that something that you keep an eye on? Do you sort of inquire about how he's going or is he left to his own devices? Well, he's, he's a teenage boy. You ask him how it's going, you get a one word answer. It's all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what you get. Fine. What have you done today? Well, I just did this and I did that. 
And it's like, okay. It is difficult to see exactly what he's done, right? It's not like back in the old days where we had to write everything out by hand on a piece of paper and all the mock questions that we did, right? He does stuff online now. He does all these Seneca things right, where they just do all these, these quiz questions and stuff. He says, oh, yeah, I did that for an hour. I don't, I don't know if that was enough. I don't know what they covered. You know, you don't get to see him covering the syllabus as such, right? You can't see what he's done. You can't tick it off as he goes down to say, yeah, I know he's covered that. I know he's covered that. So I know you can see he's covering all the topics he needs to cover. I have no, I have no visibility into that at all. And then for that, actually the mocks and the results out of the mocks can become sort of a turning point. It becomes a cornerstone of the conversations that you can have with him. Well, look, if you, if you didn't do as well as you'd hope to in your maths, or you know, you can do better in your maths, or you want to do more in your maths, whatever that conversation might look like, maybe spending an hour watching Seneca happen isn't the most effective way let's explore some other route exactly absolutely that but of course if he comes back with great results it's going to be a harder conversation to convince him that he actually exactly, still needs yeah. to do more because he's yeah. you know see dad i told you osmosis worked <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting conversation and he's got i still got another he's got this week and some of next week as well so after, after that i think they start getting the results out so then we shall see and have that conversation I mean, he's he's a sensible kid. Don't get me wrong. You know, he, he works hard at school. He's one of the one of the senior prefects in the school. So, you know, he's he's not he's not a, a not daft, but he, he doesn't necessarily have the studious attitude that you'd expect. But then he is a fifteen-year-old boy, and you know, he, he's online with his mates. Seems to be far more happy playing his games online with his friends, and that's the that's the priority a lot of the time than actually studying for an exam, which sounds very boring, let's face it. But again, I mean, that's, that is right, isn't it? And it, it almost sounds like an excuse like, oh, as a teenage boy, but actually he is a teenage boy and teenage girls have got other distractions as well. This isn't a, a gender thing. And so you do want to let them have that time where they can sort of do the things that they just want to do and relax and chill and, and what have you. I think that's part of the down. You have to have the downtime. If you, you know, alongside the, you're working hard, he does. You know, I know he works hard in school. All his teachers say he works hard in school. He's attentive. He you know does all his work in his lessons. And then you need the downtime outside of that. You need to spend time with your friends. He's got a girlfriend. He likes to see her. You know, so he has to have those downtimes. But sometimes you wonder how that balance between downtime and study time is. It quite right? Is it more downtime than it is study time? And again, it's difficult, particularly when you're in two settings, right, to understand. I know what he does at my house, but I don't know how much time he spends at the other house doing the work versus the play. Right. And it's hard to judge those balances. I mean, you would assume it should be similar, but you don't know. And how comfortable do you feel sort of asking and inquiring about what happens in the other house? You can't probe into the details of what goes on in that house because it's not your business. But to inquire about what your son's been doing or what he's been working on or how, he, how she feels it's been going... It, that's the kind of questions you can ask but you can't yeah you can't ask deep probing questions because it's not really acceptable to be honest <laughs> so it's it's always a fi it's a fine balance to to try and understand what happens and normally to be honest with you it's more conversations with my son jake that i have to have rather than uh, conversations with his with his mum. and as you say he's a he's a, a typical teen so actually a lot of the answers that you will get to those conversations are presumably the answers that he thinks you're going to want to hear or grunting <laughs> well he's not he's not going to say no i didn't do anything at mum's house last week he's not going to say that because he knows i'll go really so he'll he'll say yeah yeah i've done this and i've done that even you know if he did 20 minutes of your told me he did an hour you know that's the way it works right so you know you always take a pinch of salt with everything you know it all depends on the i think depends on other people may have better relationships with with the other household you know it depends on on how it goes and but at the same time i think you have to be 
understanding of the fact that actually that's not your house and it's not your family it's not your right to intrude on what they do in their house so you have to kind of be a little bit political and you know careful around what you're asking and how you're asking it but presumably underneath all of that actually if and when he gets it and your daughter as well actually they're setting themselves up for sort of the kinds of skills that they're going to need in life i mean this is becoming more and more commonplace isn't it that you don't just work in one place so we've got any number of different types of family structures that go on and so that ability to self-regulate manage your own workload think about your ambitions and all of those that they're going to need increasingly they're developing at an earlier age you'd have thought yeah, it's true i think they get a, a little bit more resilience to change and they kind of get used to the fact that they have different settings for doing things and they get that kind of they have to then be a bit more organized to remember to make, bring everything from one house to the other doesn't always plan out but most of the time they remember to bring everything and then take everything back and, and you know that's that's another thing they have to have that a little bit of organization on themselves right but you can always be more organized you can always be better structured you know especially when it comes to studying when it comes to what they you know want to achieve it's i think having the, the structure is something that's harder to get when you have two settings compared to one and that for me is probably one of the biggest differences is getting the structure because you get different you'll have different structures between the two settings no matter how hard you try whereas in you when it's all under one roof and everyone's you know you can set that up and you've got that kind of the same throughout the whole week throughout the whole study period it's the same structure and you've got more kind of control over it in a way and so thinking towards the actual gcse's in the summer for your son jake what kinds of thoughts does he have about it i mean there's an awful lot of talk that's going on timetables were released only this week and as you say there's sort of more accommodations and information that'll be coming out in february is this actually on his horizon is he is he aware i know that obviously he's aware that he's doing gcse's but does it sort of loom large is it a big consideration for him or is he going from one mock mock to the next i think he lives more in the moment as in he, he's got these exams then he's got the next ones then he's got the next ones i think he's focused on what he's doing now then once he gets past that he'll have some learning time and then he'll have mocks after christmas and i think he'll then focus on those and i think at the the other ones seem i think in his mind i feel that they're, they're quite a long way away it's like two sets of exams yet to get to those ones so i think for him it's kind of down the road so whilst he knows he's got them coming whilst he knows they're they're important like really important he's just taking it one step at a time as far as i can tell at the moment he doesn't seem to be uh getting stressed shall we say about the final exams at all at the moment but as he gets closer we'll see that might ramp up When you think about co-parenting and study within a separated family, you tend to think about the consistency or inconsistency between the parents, or at least that's what I did. I never really thought about the onus that was put on the students. It would be very easy for them to pull the wool over both parents' eyes about what was being done or not being done. And that in turn makes it really difficult to monitor for the parents. No parent wants to be the nagging one. And as Darren said, that's especially true of divorced and separated parents. The implications of being the nagging house over being the chilled house are potentially so much more significant than the teen having a sulk in their bedroom for a while. We've talked about it before, about how parents can take on different roles. And certainly I did and do with my wife. That classic good cop, bad cop routine. Not that we ever planned it that way, we just always seem to naturally balance each other out. 
and on the times that one of us was being unreasonable, then the other would discreetly point it out. That, of course, is to say that Michelle would tell me off after the fact. But as Darren pointed out, that isn't the same in all cases, because sometimes what happens in the other household just isn't your domain. For that reason, I guess it's even more important to make sure that the teen is in control, knows what they need to be doing, and perhaps more crucially of all, understands why. After all, they're the common factor in all of this, if nothing else. But again, Darren pointed out that there's already an awful lot of pressure on teenagers, and you do want to be really mindful of not adding to that stress. Invariably, I guess, children from separated parents will have been through more than their fair share already, and no one is more aware of the toll that that could take than their own parents. I agree with Darren, and it probably won't come as a surprise, that the answer probably lies in structure, something that can work for the student and cut across both households. Getting to a clear, consistent plan that the teen not only buys into, but also actively controls and, and takes responsibility of, I think is, is absolutely key. I mean, this is true of all exam-facing teens, but here I think that the benefits are not just in preparing for exams and developing great habits, but I wonder whether actually it could also help to provide the kind of balance that underpins a happy life for the teen and perhaps all families involved. My thanks to Darren for his honesty in chatting with me today and to you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed listening to another parent talk about their experience. And if you did, how would you like to be on a future episode and share your own story? Real mums and dads chatting about how things are going for them. If you are up for that, then please do drop me an email. The email address is hello at thestudybuddy.com. And if you're looking for ways in which you can support your own young person to develop strong study skills to help them approach their GCSEs and A-levels, then why not head over to the Study Buddy website? There you'll find a whole host of information about our innovative time management and study organising approach. And you'll also find a blog packed full of useful articles, hints and tips. To find out more, be sure to make a beeline for thestudybuddy.com. If you did find yourself nodding away to this episode, or perhaps found a nugget of something that you're going to try out with your own team, I wonder if you'd mind leaving us a review, and if it's not too much to ask, a five-star rating. It all helps us to reach other parents who, just like all of us, are looking for a way of making sense in the run-up to exams. Of course, don't forget to share the link to this and other episodes on your social media weapon of choice. It's all greatly appreciated. There'll be another episode next week, so please don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Study Sessions podcast.